Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Let's say a word of prayer before we go into the word of God. Father, we just want to thank you again for your word. Thank you for how it shapes our lives, how it delivers us. Uh, thank you for how it strengthens us. Thank you for how it reveals who you are, who your son is to us. And sweet Holy Spirit, thank you for being the one who reveals the Father and the Son in the Word to us. Today, let it do all that and more, Heavenly Father. Give us lessons that we can hold on to as we journey, O oh God, into everything that you have planned and purposed for us. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. Well, the title for, or titles for um, the message today uh, is a prophet for hire and a subtitle of a curse or a blessing. Now, this story includes one of the most bizarre stories, uh, and it, that would be the term to use if it wasn't true, but it is true in the Bible. One of the strangest stories um, in the Bible that would have made good fiction if it wasn't that we knew that it was and it is a true story. And I'm going to tell the story, so please journey with me. Um, uh, it, it starts in Numbers, the 22nd chapter, with the children of Israel journey, journeying towards the promised land. They had done 38 years already um, and were coming towards the end uh, when they would be entering the promised land. And as they journeyed, because God was with them, uh, they defeated so many nations on their way and their reputation went before them. In fact, the nations that were ahead of them trembled with fear at the thought of the nation of Israel coming their way. One such nation was the nation of Moab. Um, and the Bible says this um, about the nation of Moab and about it, its king. Numbers, the 22nd chapter, verses 3 to 4. And Moab was exceedingly afraid of the people because there were many. And Moab was sick with dread because of the children of Israel. So Moab said to the elders of Midian, Now this company will lick up everything around us as an ox licks up the grass in the field. And Balak the son of Zippor, was king of the Moabites at that time. Now, the Moabites on their own were a very strong nation, but then they had heard news of how literally God had fought for the children of Israel. They knew that they were not dealing with the people. Uh, they were dealing with the God of the people, and they knew they had no chance against the God of, of, of the children of Israel as long as he was on the side of the children of Israel. And as the children of Israel approached their, their territory, the Bible says they were so afraid, they were sick with dread, and their king went to the leaders of Midian, who was a neighboring nation, to say, we are in trouble. These people are, they are so mighty, they, lick up every, they will lick up everything around them. But then the king of 
Moab, the responsibility rested on his shoulders, must have thought, what can I do to stop this advancing nation? In much the same way that our adversary Satan is, is thinking the same thing about you and I. What can he do to stop us from advancing into all that God has promised us? He, the enemy also always wants to stop the child of God from entering into God's promises. And so Balak, the king of Moab, decides to hire the services of a prophet, and I put that in inverted commas, to place a curse on the children of Israel to stop them. Now, I'm sure we all understand what a curse is. It's when words that are spoken or written with the purpose of invoking a spiritual power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or a group of people. So when people pronounce a curse, uh, either a written curse or a spoken curse, their intention is that by accessing some negative spiritual forces, and they, are, they exist and they are real, and it doesn't matter how contemporary 21st century London is or wherever you're listening to this message from uh, our extended family ar around the world, whatever country you're in, it's universal. You know, the spirit realm is the spirit realm. It doesn't matter what country you exist in. And in the spirit realm, there are negative powers as there are positive powers. There are powers of God, the kingdom of God, in the same way, there are powers of our enemy, Satan, and his cohorts. The intention of a curse is to harness those negative powers by written or spoken words to inflict harm or punishment on someone or a group of people. Well, I think it's important to say that the opposite is the same of a blessing. The blessing uh, in terms of a spoken blessing or a written blessing seeks to harness the powers of God so that good and favor and mercies and benefit can come upon someone. And so he decides to hire a prophet, in inverted commas, to pronounce a curse. The Bible says in verses 5 to 6, he sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the sons of his people, to call him saying, look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they have covered the face of the earth and are settling next to me. Therefore, please come at once and curse these people for me, for they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed and he whom you curse is cursed. Now Balak, the king, wanted Balaam to curse Israel so that they could be crippled spiritually and he would defeat them naturally. He understood what a lot of people don't understand, that the spirit realm affects the natural, that whatever we see in the natural is really birthed out of what has happened in the spirit realm. So he wasn't naturally trying to muster his forces. He might have been doing that, but that was not where his focus was. He understood that the success of the children of Israel is not a natural thing. No matter how good they are at the whole art of warfare, 
He understood that, or the science of warfare, whichever one. He understood that it's not a natural thing, that there's a spiritual dimension. Their success naturally is a result of what is being put upon them in a spiritual sense. And so he wanted to defeat them naturally, but he knew that the natural victory was rooted in the spirit realm. So he wanted to cut them off from their source in the spirit realm by getting a curse pronounced on them so that he could deal with them naturally. That's a life lesson, my brother and my sister. It's not here that it is decided. It is there that it is decided. When you have victory there, victory plays out itself here on earth. Now, Balaam was a very strange person. He, he had a reputation as a man who understood spiritual things. Everyone knew that. Balak knew that because Balak said to him, whatever you curse is cur cursed, whatever or whomever you curse is cursed, whomever you bless is blessed. So he had a reputation uh, of understanding spiritual things. And interestingly, he also had a knowledge of God. Although his antecedents, as we will find out, make us understand that he wasn't a true prophet, but he had some knowledge of God. He had some understanding of God, but there was something that was inherently wrong in his character and his person. And so he dispatches the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian as his re representatives. This is the king of Moab, Balak, to go to Balaam and ask him if he would curse Israel on their behalf. You see, it was a business transaction. They were basically hiring his services because the Bible says they took a fee with them. They were going to pay for his services. They took what the Bible calls a diviner's fee and he sent these elders, the elders of Moab, and they took some of their friends from Midian and went to seek this prophet who they knew was a prophet for hire. They knew that they could pay him for his services, pay him to uh, invoke the supernatural on their behalf. And I'm sure you know that the world is rife with such prophets, good, some who purport to be from the kingdom of God and a lot of them who are definitely, who say clearly they're not from the kingdom of God. But the one thing that they have in common is that they are for hire. You can pay for their services. And so when they get to him, they tell him that they have come from the king of Balak and that they have come from Balak, the king of Moab, and that he would love them to, he would love him to pronounce a curse so that he can stop the advance of the children of Israel. He responds to them by telling them that they should spend the night so that he can seek the face of God on the issue. And this exposes the danger when we are prophets for hire, when we put a prize on the grace or the gift that God has given us, when we charge in that way for the things that God has given us that should be a blessing to others freely. Of course, the Bible encourages that people are blessed for their gifts. People are blessed for using the gifts, but the people don't instigate it. They don't manipulate it. They leave the Spirit of God to touch the hearts of people so that people can be a blessing for them as they serve with their gifts. But in this case, it was a business transaction. There was a known fee that they took to people like him to hire him. Now, you, the danger with having that kind of heart it starts to be exposed here because 
He knew definitely that it wasn't God's will. God was not going to curse the children of Israel. But somehow he hoped that somehow he could maneuver, manipulate things to a point where perchance God might allow him to curse the children of Israel because his mind was already focused on the fee that would be paid to him for doing so. And so when he has his encounter with God, and, and this is put before God, God says to him, verses 12 to 13, And God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Go back to your land, for the Lord has refused to give me permission to go with you. And the truth is that you never know where people are trying to solicit people to pronounce a curse on a child of God. You never know where people are gathering with an evil intent towards the child of God. The world is not a good place. There's so, there's so much evil in the world. And that is the truth. But I want to say to you that it doesn't matter where they have gathered. They have to scatter because you are blessed. It doesn't matter how much they try to pronounce a curse on you. Because you are a child of God, you are blessed. And that curse has no cause and so it cannot land. In the same way that Balaam understood once he spoke to God, God said to him clearly, you can't go with them. You can't curse the people for they are blessed. I declare to anyone who is watching that you cannot be cursed because you are blessed. And so they went back and told Balak, this is what Balaam says, he's not coming with us because he know, God has told him that you can't go, you can't curse them because they are blessed. But then Balak the king knew that prophets for hire have their price. It's a question of how much. So he says to the people, well, go back. And this time, he doesn't send the same people who were just elders. He chooses some of his princes, his sons, and he sends a large number of them, people of honor in his land, and then he sends them with more in a material sense. Verses 15 to 17, then Balak again sent princes more numerous and more honorable than they. And they came to Balaam and said to him, Thus says Balak, the son of Zippor, Please let nothing hinder you from coming, for I will certainly honor you greatly, and I will do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come and curse these people for me. He ups the stakes. First, they went with the normal diviner's fee. It was a known amount of money that they paid to people to try and divine. When, Bal when Balaam says, no, 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 I can't come, God says I shouldn't go, they know that he's a prophet for hire. He has a prize. May you never get to a place where people think you have a prize that will make you do something that God does not want you to do. As a child of God, we have no prize. The prize we have is our submission and obedience to the Spirit of God and to the instructions of God. So he sends them back, and this time he sends a heavy party. They are loaded. He sends his son, the princes, not one prince, not two princes, not three princes, numerous princes. I can imagine when they arrive, they are an intimidating sight to see. They come dressed in the full royal regalia. 
riding on royal horses with servants following them. And they come laden with gifts for Balaam. His greed and his lust is stirred up by what he sees and what they say. They say that we have come to tell you that our father says that he will honor you greatly. When a king says he will honor you greatly, that is major. And he says he will also do whatever you say. All we are asking is that you will curse these people on our behalf. Again, Balaam's response <coughs> shows his heart. He knew that God had already said. God had already spoken. God had told him not to go. God had told him not to curse them. But then the, 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 the lust for the money, the lure of the money, the lure of the material, we have to be careful that the lust for material things, the lust for these things that are presented, don't, don't take us off course because they invariably do. I have seen the most devout, the most dedicated, the most committed go astray simply because Eventually, their heart is God. They, they, the enemy gets their heart by bringing things before them that makes it obvious that they have a prize. It takes their heart away from God. Now, listen to what Balaam says in verse eight, verses 18 and 19. Then Balaam answered and said to the servants of, of, of Balak, or Balak, though, ba though Balak were, Balak, though Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go beyond the word of the Lord my God to do less or more. Now therefore, please, you stay here tonight that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. What more will the Lord say to you? The Lord has already said what he wants to say. You know, as a pastor, I face this all the time where people know what God is saying. But they come to you and give you half the story. They don't tell you the whole truth. They are hoping that somehow they can manipulate you to agree with them so that they can say the pastor has agreed. But in their hearts, they know what God has said. We know from the word of God what God has said. There are some things you don't need to ask anyone. It's plain in the word of God. But that's how Balak was. He was that kind of person because he thought, if I let these people go, I will lose all these things. He says to them, his mouth says to them, but you know what God has said. God has said I shouldn't and I can't go beyond what God has said. But his heart now starts to speak. He says, but wait tonight, stay here. Let me hear what God would have to say. What is he saying? Maybe somehow I can find a way to make it possible for me to go with you and curse Israel. And of course, God got angry with him. And we read the rest of that story from Numbers, the 22nd chapter, from verse 28. Numbers 22nd from verse 28. This now makes very interesting reading. I hope the children are listening to this. Now, God now comes to him and God says to him, if they come to you, if they rise, if they, when they rise, if they come to you, go with them. 
but only the word which I speak to you shall you do. Now, was God saying go with them because that's what he wanted? No. God was saying your heart is hardened, your soul is sold, you're already a lost cause, you might as well go and do whatever you want to do. I will use you to achieve my purposes. Sometimes God lets certain things happen, not because he condones it, but because the hearts of those who are involved are so hardened, they are determined, they are going to do it. And so God says, no problem, go ahead and do it. I'm going to use it to work out my own plan and purpose. And now that's where the, this most, the strangest of things starts to happen. So he gets on his donkey and he goes with them. The Bible says that God's anger was, was aroused. He was already angry. And so he sends his angel to stand in the way as an adversary against him. Now, the prophet for hire is on his donkey. He's with two servants. And the angel of God stands in the way with a drawn sword to prevent them from going. Frankly, his intention was to kill them because of how they had disobeyed God. Now, when the donkey saw the angel standing with a drawn sword, the donkey turned aside, he went off the track and went into the field. But Balaam was irritated with the donkey. He struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road, get back onto the road. It's fascinating that a donkey had a revelation of God but the heart of the prophet for hire was so seared, so hardened, so callous that he could not see what a donkey saw, despite being the prophet in town. And that's what happens in real life. This is one of the lessons we learn. When we allow our hearts to be seared, our hearts to become callous, hardened, when we allow our hearts to be uh, to, to be. To be to be filled with things that are not godly, when we allow emotions that are not of God, sentiments that are not of God to fill our hearts, our revelation of God is obscured. We can't see God. We can't hear God because there are issues in our hearts. That's how the uh, large chunk of the evangelical Christians, right, in the Christ, evangelical Christians in America could miss this whole thing. The, the Christians, they, they, they read the Bible like us, worship like us. I mean, some of it was, 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 would have been comical if it wasn't so serious. Because in their minds, because I suspect that there were also deep issues of race that had not been dealt with in their hearts. There were things that were not pure in their hearts. They could not hear God. They had no revelation of God. And they, they were not even humble enough to say, I think. They came out and spoke and said, God said. How do you know a prophet? Because what the prophet says comes to pass. When what the prophet says does not come to pass, then the person certainly concerning that thing has been a false prophet and has spoken falsely. That's what happens when your heart is not right. To be able to hear God, you must come with your heart right. Your heart must be pure. The psalmist says it, that you can't climb the mountain of God to go to be with God if you don't have clean hands and a pure heart. 
And so when you relate to God, it's important that you keep your hands clean and your heart pure so that God can come close to you and reveal these things to you. The prophet had an issue in his heart. His heart was already corrupted by lust for money. And so he could not see an angel of God with a son drawn standing before him and yet his donkey could see it. So he struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the, vine with the vine between the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. Now there was nowhere to go, at least before the donkey could go into the field. But now the path had narrowed. There was a wall of a mountain on one side and a mountain on, on another. And so the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the donkey and the prophet. Now the donkey again saw the angel of God and pushed herself against the wall. The donkey understood this is God. This, 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 this angel can unleash the wrath of God on us. The prophet had no clue. So the donkey seeing the angel of the Lord with the sun, sword drawn, no space to escape into the field anymore. As expected, in fear, the donkey started to press against the wall. You know, where sometimes you just wish the wall would give way and let you through. And then Balaam's foot, because Balaam was riding the donkey was crushed against the wall. And in anger, he struck the donkey again. This tells you the kind of heart of the man. That all this time you're striking the poor donkey. The donkey is saving your life. You would have been dead if not for this donkey. And then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in another narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. This was even narrower. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, there was no way to go. You couldn't even press against the wall because this was narrower. The donkey just lay down under Balaam. The donkey just, <laughs> the donkey just lay down. I'm not going anymore. They are ahead of me. They are going to kill me. Daft prophet, you're consumed by lust for money. You can't even see. You might want to die. I, the donkey, want to live many more years and enjoy a good life as a donkey. I am not going forward anymore. And by this time, Balaam was so angry that he didn't strike the donkey with his hand. He took his staff and struck the donkey with his staff. And then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and the donkey spoke to Balaam. <laughs> the donkey said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Now, Balaam was so consumed by the lust for the money that it did not strike him that it is odd that a donkey is speaking to me. Hang on a second. Something is wrong. You know, sometimes we are so consumed in our own lusts that the signs are there. We are consumed by our own pursuit. The signs are there. You know, how many times have I counseled people in marriages and I'm saying to them, but the way this guy is behaving, the way this lady is behaving, she must have shown these signs. And they say, Pastor, to be truthful, she did. But they say I was in love. I'm thinking, what kind of silly love is that? The signs were there. Now you're in it. We just have to try and now we let's pray that the God who can do the impossible will do the impossible. But it's not going to be a picnic because the signs were there. 
Sometimes it's the lust of our hearts, the desire for something that makes us override the obvious signs that are there. A donkey, Mr. Prophet, is speaking to you, Prophet for hire. Wake up. Where do donkeys speak? There's something wrong. But he doesn't, say, he doesn't think so. He answers the donkey. The Bible says, Balaam says to the donkey, because you have abused me, I wish there were a sword in my hand, for now I would kill you. So the donkey speaks back to him. He says, am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? It wasn't like he was used to donkeys speaking to him. This was the first time that a donkey was speaking to him. And yet he didn't think there was something wrong. He says to the donkey, no. And then the Lord opens Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why have you struck the, your donkey these three times? I, 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 I would have loved to see ba ba Balaam at that point. God finally opens his eyes and he sees the angel. And you know, when you see an angel of the Lord, <laughs> it's not a sight, it's a sight that even the stoutest of hearts, the strongest of hearts will tremble when you see an angel of, of the Lord with a sword drawn. That's why when you see an angel of the Lord all the time in the Bible, the angel tells you not to be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because the sight is enough to terrify even the strongest of hearts. When he sees the angel of the Lord, the angel asks him, by the way, why have you been beating this donkey, striking this donkey this street three times? The angel says, I've come to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. Now, that the angel of the Lord, it would, it would seem that this was pre-incarnate Christ of some, of some sort. Because the angel of the Lord says, your way is perverse before me. Not before the Lord, before me. And that's the problem. His way was perverse. He was corrupted by the world. Uh, he, he, the world had got into him. He knew enough about God to be a true follower of God, but he wasn't. The ways of the world had corrupted him. My sister, my brother, let's be careful so that the ways of the world don't corrupt us. Let us be careful so that we don't pick up bad habits. We don't pick up the ways of the world. And a lot of the ways of the world have come into the church. So we have to be careful even in the church so that we don't pick up the ways of the world. If you look around in the church, they, there's so much of the deification of man. There's so much of, of, of the worship of man. People know so much about what man says and what man does. It's no different from the, from the world. That's all people do. They worship celebrities. We come into church and we have celebrity worship in church. We have celebrities who are, who are men of God. I don't want to be called a celebrity man, man of God. That's why I try to make it clear to you that I am struggling myself. I'm trying myself. Let's do it together. Yes, I am the pastor, the shepherd. Yes, I can share with you, but I don't occupy a pedestal. No, I don't want to be on a pedestal. I don't want to be worshipped. I don't want to be deified. That's something that has crept in from the world into the church and is sickening to God. And believe me, I can tell you prophetically that God is dismantling it. And this year, 2021, we will see so much of it dismantled in the name of Jesus. He says to him, after the, he's confronted, he says to him, I have sinned, for I did not know you stood in the way against me. Now, if it, therefore, if it displeases you, I will turn back. It was a half-hearted repentance. It wasn't genuine. Now, 
when Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the city of Moab. The king went out to meet him. And he said to Balaam, Did I not earnestly send to you calling for you? Why did you not come to me? Am I not able to honor you? You see, Balak knew that it's all about the money. He was saying to him, Balaam, we understand you. We know it's about the money. Why didn't you come? How can the king talk to the prophet like that? Because the prophet has brought himself down to the point where the king can belittle him. When we sell ourselves to people, the people will belittle us. We will lose the dignity and the honor of the royalty of the kingdom of God where we are princes and princesses and will be brought down into the gutter where people can belittle us. And Balaam said to Balak, look, I have come to you now. Now, have I any power at all to say anything? The word that God puts in my mouth that I must speak. So Balaam went with Balak and they came to Kejat Huzo. Then Balak offered oxen and sheep and he sent some to Balaam and to the princes who were with him. He said something with his mouth, but his actions showed that he didn't mean what he said. He was consumed, absolutely consumed by the love for money. And if there's one lesson we learn from this story up till this point, we'll continue the story. It's an amazing story. We learn that the root of Balaam's sin was a love for money. We've got to be careful. You know, Jesus says you can't serve God and serve mammon at the same time. One has to be God. And for Balaam, the love of money was his God. Money was his God. And the root of his sin was the love of money. In Jude, the 11th verse of the first and only chapter, the Bible drives home this point as I come to end. The Bible says, woe to them. There is, a, there is woe that is prophesied biblically to certain people. There's nothing they can do. It's not going to work. It can't end well because of the state of their heart. Woe to them. He says, for, the Bible goes on to say, for they have gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit and persisted and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Look at the examples that he uses that tells you the kind of woe. These are people who are symbols. They are yardsticks of woe, yardsticks of of, of pain, yardsticks of the wrath of God, the anger of God, yardsticks of getting it wrong. He says like Cain, he says like, like Balaam, the prophet, who for profit, for greed, entered error. I pray that will not be any of our portions and for Korah who perished in the rebellion. I pray that won't be our portion. I pray we will not be for hire. No one will be able to lure us, buy us, entice us with material things, with money, with physical possessions. These are things that we use. We won't sell ourselves short because of any of those things. Because we are determined that we will follow God and follow God in the way that he says we should follow him. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. You want to hear the rest of the story? Well, next week... We'll hear the rest of the story. 
um, and you'll find out how it is not possible for anyone to curse you because you are blessed. No matter the prophets that they hire to do so, it can't happen because you are blessed. Hallelujah. God bless you. Wonderful story. Um, I love that story of, of the donkey. I can tell that story over and over again. Um, and I wish someone would just would, would write a little story for the children around that. I, I think it would be a wonderful story for children um, to hear and to listen to. And maybe someone could tell it um, and, and you know, put it on, on, on some podcast or something so children can listen and learn life lessons in the way that we have learned life lessons. Father, we just want to thank you and bless you for your word, Heavenly Father. Lord, just please take it by your spirit and amplify it and let it be a warning to us and let it put us on the right path and rescue us if we're already on the wrong path, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, if, you're, if you've listened to this, you've been blessed, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, um, I would like to say to you that it's impossible, impossible to get on in life to have a revelation of God without a relationship with Jesus Christ, to experience the benefits of that re relationship without a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so if you want to have that relationship, it's my privilege to pray with you as you are ushered by God himself into a loving relationship with him. It's simple. You just say this prayer after me and mean every word. And then that's it. It just seals the start of a relationship with God. So will you say after me, Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of salvation that is your Son, Jesus. I open up my heart and I receive that gift into my life. I accept your Son as my Lord and Savior. And Father, I make a commitment today to live a life in obedience to what you say. I make a commitment to turn away from anything that I am doing that is displeasing to you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for accepting me into your family. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being my Savior. I can declare, Father, that by this prayer, I am now a member of your family, a child of yours. Today I am born again into your family. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Welcome to God's family. Welcome to God's family. The Bible tells us that there's a lot of celebrations going on in heaven because you have joined God's family. That's how precious you are and how long they've been waiting for you to come to God's family. 